A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it. Testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Welcome. Welcome back, Rush Nation, to the Five Yard Rush Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast with me, Nick Owen, and my, I suppose, Robin to my, my Batman. Mr. Mark Ferguson joining me this week yet again. How are we doing, Mark? <laughs> I was doing better until I was called Robin. <laughs> we can flip it right. No, I don't mind being Robin. <laughs> no, 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 well. no. <laughs> I don't think I don't think we neither of us needs to be Robin. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I I had a losing week last week. Um not by much. Just um just made a few silly mistakes which annoyed me. I got too caught up. Thinking about players again, which is like the bad, my bad old ways, rather than lineups and correlations, which you know have really worked for me mm. since about week eight this year. This caused me not to play Corey Davis and T.Y. Hilton, who are both players I've been playing the past couple of weeks. I don't think because I don't think generally you get to sort of play like T.Y. Hilton if you're just looking at his individual matchup and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so this week I'll be trying to focus on correlation a bit more than I was last week and try and get back on. T- Back onto the winning ways, but streak had to end at some point, I guess. Did you yourself? did you move away from them, Mark? Because there was a couple of well, Ty Hilton's not really had a great season. Full stop, has he? But Corey Davis had quite a good start, and then he had his injury, didn't he? Where he missed a few games, and then he came back, and he he didn't 
didn't quite seem the same. He wasn't putting out the same numbers. Is that why you moved away from him or? No, I just, I didn't, in that game, I wasn't playing enough for both sides of that game. Mm. So Corey Davis is a player who I think since he's been league, he kind of goes off, say, three weeks of the season. So I think he's always a good player to have. Yeah, And you've got to accept that most of the season he's not going to go off. But I had played him the previous two weeks as I had T.Y. Hilton because I saw T.Y. Hilton just seems to be getting healthier. And he had done, he'd done pretty well last week. And then this week, obviously, he smashed. But this week, I didn't play him because if you looked at it as an individual matchup, there was no particular reason to play it. It just didn't end up in one of my eight lineups. So I'm, pres- I'm not saying I would have picked them if I'd have, if I'd have been thinking more in terms of correlation. It's just frustrating that they were in there for two weeks and then they weren't when they both smashed. Yeah. And again, they might not have ended up on the same lineup, and the, or even if they did, everybody else might have been, you know, all Josh Reynolds and Christian Kirk. Um, so you know, who knows? But yeah, that was um, that was all it was. I just I got so caught up in the what I. Funnily enough, something I spoke about last week about the certainties about you know I was moaning last week that people were saying how certain it was that Dalvin Cook would score, mm-hmm. and he and you know, week week um, twelve he didn't, yeah. and this week I, I last week I kind of got caught up in all of that. Maybe just just reading too much, you know, content or something. Um, yeah. So yeah, so it's my fault. It's a process mistake. You know, you should never really judge yourself by your results, more by your process. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I didn't have an amazing week to to be honest. The streak continued. Um, just a few few things that let me down. Really, I think uh, Derek Henry was a massive letdown. So I got him on the wrong week. You had him on the right week. I had him on, unfortunately, the wrong week. And I think that game, to be honest, was it, it was almost spoiled by the first two quarters because Cleveland went into such a commanding lead at the half that it didn't, it didn't make Derek Henry irrelevant, but they had to throw the ball a lot more. I think Tannehill threw the ball about 45 times, maybe 46. So that, that pretty much scuppered me because... I had 9,200 there sat on Derrick Henry who turned in a 6.9 performance. Um, And I had the Titans D as well, which I know Ds don't score particularly that well, but I actually ended up on minus points for the D. So that's not great. Um, Some last minute pivots. I had John Smith in quite a few lineups and I ended up pivoting to uh, Ferkser, but he actually did not too bad. For 2,500, he finished on 10.10. So I can't even... Can't really ask for more than that. That's four times his value. Four, four times his price. Yeah, yeah. So four times his price. You take that across the board, wouldn't you? Yeah, that's it. Um, David Montgomery didn't let me down, which we spoke quite highly of him on on last week's pod with Murph. So I was made up with that, and because I'd made some pivots in other positions, um, like I had Kirk Cousins, if you remember in in my recommendations last week, and I actually pivoted away from Kirk Cousins onto Aaron Rodgers. And there was a slight drop-off, but not much. Um, I kept Justin Jefferson in there because I was confident that there would be something coming out of that game. And I wanted to at least have one piece if I didn't have the stack with Cousins and Jefferson. So, you know, he absolutely smashed it again. So I, it was up and down. I think that it would probably have been quite a good week had some of the, you know, like Derek Henry, had had he have performed. I had this same issue, I think, a few weeks back with Alvin Kamara, where I had a lot invested into him and he didn't perform. So, yeah, that's pretty much what scuppered me. I did have a good week, however, on the tiers. 
which yes. as as predicted, I've taken the lead yet again <laughs> in the tiers scoring. So it is now three two to me uh, with a score of one hundred and eighty point one four. And you finished with oh, quite a respectable mark, 123.32, but not respectable Come on. enough. <laughs> That's the biggest beating of the, since we've been doing this challenge, isn't it? That is like, it's terrible. That I was trying terrible. to give you some credit. I was trying to give you some credit, but I make you feel a little bit better to start the pod off. I don't want you up for the next 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it was only that was only yeah, tears was particularly uh, frustrating. Yeah. What I would say is as advice to the listeners is if you are setting your lineups, one word that I've used quite a bit over the last few weeks and one thing I've had to do, and I'm sure you have as well, Mark, is pivoting off players. Make sure right up to the, the starts of those games that you're you're checking who's in your lineup, check the news, because players are literally pulling out on the day people are testing positive for covid left right and center make sure if you've got multiple lineups that you keep your eye on it there's nothing worse than your lineup starting and there being a player locked in there because his game has started but he's not going to feature so just keep an eye on that listeners definitely it nearly tripped me up the other thing you can do especially this week because there's six games in the later window is if you say this is true of any lineup but as well as tears but if your players in your early games haven't done as well as you hoped, then it's probably best to switch your later your players in later lineups to ones which are going to be less owned. Yeah. So just to make yourself different, because if you're if you're owning the say thirty percent, um, I don't know who would be um, say thirty percent Austin Eckler in the in the last game on Sunday, and you need to make up points on the field, you're not going to do it if you've all if you've got if you've all got Austin Eckler. Yeah, that's a time when you play a player such as Jalen Guyton, etc. Before we do move on to the classic lineups, I'm sure you're in an absolutely amazing mood, Mark, after the result <laughs> beat knocking off the Steelers yeah. off off their unbeaten perch. Finally, yeah, I was. Um, it was. I couldn't watch. I couldn't see it, but I kind of. I was. I kind of woke up and checked the score. I think it was half time. We were fourteen nil down. So I kind of went to bed thinking, "Oh, that's it." You know. We're not coming back from that. And then I'd actually, I watched the Seahawks, uh, not Seahawks, the Bills um, 49ers game in the morning afterwards. And I still didn't know the Washington score at that time because I didn't want to, I was trying to watch that without knowing the score. Yeah. So I thought it'd be hard for me to find the Washington score out without knowing that score. Anyway, and I was expecting that we'd lost because it was 14-0 at halftime against the 11-0 Steelers. So, so when they said that we won, I was really surprised and really chuffed. And then obviously went caught all the highlights and everything. And yeah, amazing. Yeah, I was happy with my team's performance as well on Sunday and mm. the nine o'clock game. That was a game that I thought, we, you know, we, we have the beating of the Cardinals, but it felt like the wrong game at the wrong time coming off the disappointing performance against the 49ers. But we turned it around and we didn't turn the ball over, which is, has been an Achilles heel of Jared Goff's all season. So um, I was quite happy with the performance and we made Kyler Murray look pr- pretty ordinary, actually. Which He has looked pretty ordinary for a few weeks anyway. Yeah, um, a testament to the defence. It's, it's been pretty stellar all year and long may it continue. I think the, the defence performance and Jared Goff is basically what's going to determine how far we go this year. 
um, and it's in our hands now to to take the NFC West. So fingers crossed. That's good. I don't know if I've got no statistics for this, Nick, but I have the feeling that do you keep losing a game and then winning a game, then losing a game and winning a game? It feel it feels like it has been a trend like that, yeah. but I don't think it's quite losing and winning because we did put two back to backs together. I think with Seattle and Tampa. But then we lost to the Niners. Um, but it does feel like certainly every other we seem to lose. There was a, I think we won the first few, and then we went through that win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game for a few weeks. But then we we did put a string of results together, but then lost to the Forty Niners. Okay. So we're eight and four now, and and it looks like we're pretty destined for the playoffs, which I'm quite happy with. I just hope that we're able to clinch the NFC West, and um, fingers crossed, go for a. A deep, a deep playoff run. Again. You'd have the NFC East clinched almost. Well, yeah, <laughs> I think that's a would be a foregone conclusion with an eight-team win in that in that division. Uh, Let's not get into the NFC East. There's yeah. um, other pods here that talk about this stuff in far more detail. So. Absolutely, yeah, and this is not one of them. So if you're <laughs> hoping for some NFC East chat, please feel free to stop listening. We'll move on then to the classic lineups as we always do, Mark. So focusing on the main slate of games on Sunday. Um we'll start with the quarterback as we always do, the the key position on the offense. So talk me through your, your quarterback pick this week, who you like him. Okay, so my more expensive pick this week is Aaron Rodgers. Not really that shocking. Um my main reason for picking him is there's a lot of talk already in the industry because Detroit is so bad against the run. Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are being hyped up. And I kind of hope that maybe that will reduce Aaron Rodgers' ownership. The Lions are pretty bad against the pass. <laughs> you know, Actually, they're pretty bad against everything, aren't they? They're worse <laughs> against the run, I think. And, uh, yes. And I think you've also got a fair few sort of options for stacking Rodgers. You know, the obvious ones being Adams and then Tonyan or Lazard, who's you know coming back from injury. So, that's kind of why I like him because I'm hoping he'll be low. Yeah. Um, and my second one is, um, and I never, you could never imagine a few weeks ago I'd be talking about this guy, Mike Glennon, a 5.1k. <laughs> I think the last time we spoke about Mike Glennon, it wasn't derogatory, I wouldn't say, but we certainly weren't mm. hyping him up. It was, it was more mm. on on the the sort of side where it was, he was due his start, and we were pretty much avoiding everything that was Jacksonville mm. Jaguars for that week. Yeah, so he's, um, it's purely because of his price, the 5.1K. The, there's lots of expensive pieces elsewhere this week. The pricing has generally gone up a lot, I think, especially with the running backs, the average prices and stuff. So you might need to save, make some savings with quarterback in some lineups. The Titans, who Jags are facing this week, they're top five for drafting points given up against both the wide receiver and the quarterback. Yeah. So I think they're, very, they're a very pass-friendly team. The... I mean, there's, obvious, there's obviously many downsides to play Mike Lennon, but the main one for me is you're not really sure which receivers you pair him with. That feels a little bit like a lottery. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, it was Keenan Cole was the man. And then it was um, Chenault. Chark doesn't seem to have few. done much. He had a few, but now he's, he's been quiet, I think, hasn't he? So, yeah. I, I've, yeah, I've got a feeling that Chark still maybe is carrying that injury that he saw him out for a couple of games because he's, he's seemed quite ineffective of late. Could be wrong. But I think it's a good I think it's a good low priced option. So yeah. 
So, um, yeah, that's all I've got. What about yourself? Yeah, I've, I'm with you on the low-priced option. I looked down the list this week and I, I was looking and thinking, is there anyone down there that screams out to me? There wasn't There wasn't really. Even, you know, even two at uh, uh, 5.4, assuming he starts against Kansas City, it's, it's, it's not an ideal matchup, I wouldn't say, for him. Um, but I did quite like the price of Sam Darnold. Uh, simply because, again, like Glennon, he's he's five point one. It, it's it just comes down to matchup for me. So there's two quarterbacks I'm going to speak about here. One being Darnold, and he's he's facing. You could argue statistically the worst defense in in the league in Seattle. Historically bad. They give up the most yards. They give up the second most drafting points to the the position, and the New York Jets were a bad defensive call away from beating the the Las Vegas Raiders this past week, who they're not a great defense in themselves, but the, I think we both agree they are a better defense than the Seattle Seahawks. I don't think the yeah. Jets have really got anything to lose at this stage because I think it's pretty certain that they're going to get that number one pick and it looks like it's going to be a Trevor Lawrence run team next season, um, which is... Disappointing for Daniel because I think there's a good quarterback in there and I think he'd flourish on a different team. But at the price of 5.1, if if you are looking for something a little bit more budget this week, then he could definitely be one to consider because of the matchup um, and because of what Seattle struggle with is is pretty much what New York do do fairly well. They don't run the ball particularly well, but they are a decent passing team with some some threat at receiver that will come back to a little bit further on. So I do like the price of Darnold there, and he's coming off a decent performance against the Raiders. The one that I particularly like, Mark, is Justin Herbert for almost the same reasons. So I've just said then that statistically you could put Seattle as the worst defense in the league. Um, and if you're looking at statistics, you could argue that the Atlanta Falcons are equally or, or even worse. They've not given up quite as many yards, but they've given up more touchdowns, not as many turnovers as Seattle. And they do give up 26.6 drafting points to the position, which is one point more than Seattle. Um, but what they're coming up against this week is Justin Herbert, who does two things very well. One is his volume of, of yardage on, he, on, his, on his passes. And the second thing he does well is throw touchdowns. So on the season so far, you look at what Herbert's done, I think his, his actual passing touchdowns for the season, he's currently at 23 with nine turnovers, nine interceptions, and his yardage is at 3,224. So he's, he's well on pace with another five games remaining. Um, or four games remaining, however many there is left. I, I feel like I'm losing track of these weeks now, but he's, he's well on pace to eclipse 4,000. So again, I think it just comes down to match up there for me. There's two things that the Falcons don't do particularly well, and that's defend against the pass and defend against touchdowns. And that's two things that Justin Herbert does particularly well. He had that floor game last week, and I, I think we'd, we spoke about it on a pod a couple of weeks back where we said... He's due that game, that rookie game where he just he doesn't have that stat line of two or three touchdowns and he doesn't have as many passing yards. And it definitely came this past week. But to his credit, I think 
you know, he's playing New England. They are a better defence than Atlanta, who he's, he's got this coming week. So I think it's maybe more of a testament on, on the Chargers and the coaching. I don't think it's it's a reflection on him as a quarterback. So I, I fully expect him to turn it around this week and, and rip it up against the Falcons in what could be a high-scoring game as well. That is a great call. I think we generally there's going to be a bit of a theme of us liking the Chargers to bounce back. Last week's game, I kind of see as a just a just a really random event. If you look at some of the stats of it, Cam Newton barely threw for any yards, and, mm. and obviously there's two defensive touchdowns. But even if you take those away, there's still 31 points. Yeah, and it was just a load of statistical anomalies about that game. And I think that just ha- that just happens. It's going to happen more likely when you've got a rookie quarterback as well. Mm. And I think you kind of have to write it off, and you can't ignore his production all season just because of that one week. So. Absolutely. The, the one thing you want is really for other people to be put off by that. That's what you really want, isn't it? The other people not to be playing him. Yeah. So, and um, I, think I think there's a good chance it's the, it's the lowest price he's been for four weeks as well. So it's as good a chance as any to get him. Really like that. I think he, he probably will have a good percentage share of ownership because of the matchup and that sort of bounce back, if you will. Like you like you said, it was a bit of an anomaly last week. They lost forty five forty five to nothing. You know, that that's not gonna happen, I don't think, against the Falcons, who do look a bit improved since they cleared house with the coaching staff. But I still expect this one to be a not even gonna say a charges result. I just expect a better performance from their offense because they are playing a worse defense than what they came up against last week, and I think that's you know the stats point to that, and the eye test does as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, as I say, it's going to, it's a theme going through our picks. I think this week. Yeah, there's definitely the um, the ability to put a nice stack together there. I think with the Chargers yeah. this week, and that is one game that I think will be a high score. But we'll move on to the running back position then, Mark. Um, there's one that you've earmarked here that I really like, but I like it in the tiers format. But talk me through your picks. Okay. So my first, my expensive pick I was, I've gone for was Christian McCaffrey. Really, you don't, you, you don't need to listen to pods to know to pick Christian McCaffrey. But the reason I'm flagging him is because it looks like he's going to be back this week. And I'm not sh- and I just just flagging that up early because he's 9.2k, so you're going to have to make some decisions elsewhere in your lineups if you want to play him, which you will want to do. He's. I'm not worried about his workload because he's already come back once this year from the injury just to play one game, and he got a massive workload there. Scored 37 points, I think it was. So there's no reason to doubt that here. So I'm really just picking McCaffrey to flag him that he that he's likely he's back anyway. And my budget pick. Uh, is Melvin Gordon at 5.2k. I really like this one. Actually, Tell me more. Yeah. This is actually two picks, really, but I'll come back to that in a minute. So um, he's got a really good matchup against the Panthers. Um, they give up the seventh most fancy points to running back uh, position. He and Lindsay both received enough touches last week to almost be called Bell Cow. Mm-hmm. They were both between the sort of 15 to 20 touches. Lindsay was a bit banged up, so he didn't actually. Um, he produced about a third of the yards and stuff, I think. So, if you think Lindsay is actually going to be fit or fit enough, then he actually might be a better play than Gordon at four point three k. But actually, I think I'm going to. If I was going to, as a player, say if I stick with Melvin Gordon. Yeah, why do you like I, him so much? I like that pick because 
you look at uh, when I was actually picking my tiers lineup and uh, spoilers when we do come to tiers a little bit further on Melvin Gordon is one of the ones that I think I've picked in the tier he's in I think what the reason I liked him I picked him as well the reason I liked him so much when you look back on his performances his good games have come against teams that are defenses that tend to struggle against the run um, the Chiefs stuck out as one to me. They, I know they they brought in uh, was it Jones last year, and they they got a little bit better against the run, but they still look a little bit a little bit shaky at times against the run. And he had two decent games against the Chiefs this year. So yeah, I just when I look, I think Miami was another. They're they're not particularly great against the run either. So when I when I looked, it, it just stood out to me as. A, a good value pick at that price yeah. and Carolina are one of the worst teams against the run in the league and I think Drew Locke's having his struggles at the moment Jerry Judy tweeted out about his lack of production this past week or his lack of targets and then deleted the tweet so I don't know I think with the struggles that they're having like you said it, it, I, I think it, it's it's likely that they're going to try and get the hands the ball in the hands of Gordon and Lindsay. Um, so, yeah, I really like that pick. The other reason I think the Gordon and Lindsay are, are a good play is because of the nature of the so many highly priced running backs this week, most people are going to have to go down to value or middle tier priced receivers yep. because they just won't have the money. If you automatically pick in a Gordon and then, say, another, another um, running back who's mid, tier price, then you're going to be able to afford the higher price receiver, so you can naturally end up with a different roster construction to other people. Yeah. So uh, so that's another reason to do it. I, d- I hadn't actually noticed his price was at that, uh, and, and it's given me food for thought with my flex. We'll come back to that as we go through the receivers, but I've currently got a receiver sat in my flex position, but I could afford to get Melvin Gordon in there, and, and it's again, this it's making me potentially want to pivot and, and go on to Gordon. So, yeah, like that. I've gone for <laughs> consistency. I've moved away from Jonathan Taylor, who was my man for weeks, and I've jumped on the David Montgomery bandwagon. Um, we bigged him up on last week's pod, Mark, didn't we? Um, and Murph, exactly the same. He's, he's got such a good run to finish the season in terms of the teams he's, he's going to come up against, the not defensively sound teams against the run. This week's exactly the same again. He's had a bit of a price hike, so he was at five and a half last week. He comes in at six and a half this week, but I think it's he still warrants consideration with that price tag. Um, and the, the reason for that is obviously his matchup against the Texans not a good defense against running backs. Um, in fact, I think statistically they give up the second most points to the position. But when you actually break it down into how David Montgomery's involved in the offense, when we said it on last week's pod, he's involved on passing downs as well. So he's averaging around four to five targets per game. And the Texans also are quite, quite bad against receiving yards to the position. They've given up 550 this season which is in that sort of bottom echelon of teams against receiving running backs, but they're one of the worst against running backs on the ground. So 
I fully exploit that the Bears are going to uh, fully expect that the Bears will exploit that this week, especially again as they're a team that's just getting so much inconsistent production from the quarterback position at the moment. The um, other, the other player. Got, quite... Sorry, you've got me doubting myself now as well because I haven't actually got <laughs> one for me in my player pool at all. But having just the way you just said it, and having just looked at a couple of things now, I'm thinking I need to fit him in somewhere. I think he's going to be super chalky, possibly even the most the most owned. But the, the price hike did put me off, but now I'm thinking I'm being a bit cautious with that. It, last week, I think he was one of the most owned, and that was something else that we'd mentioned. Was, I think yeah. it was him and Dalvin Cook. Um, and the price hike was potentially the only thing that may have put me off this week, but I don't think it's enough of a price hike to put me off because it still puts him below the top end. Um, the the other running back I was looking at was James Robinson, and he's coming in at 7,500. So it, it still, still puts him below that. It puts him below Chris Carson. It puts him below Gibson, who might not even play against the 49ers. It puts him below mm. Zeke Elliott, who hasn't had a good season this year. And he's on par with DeAndre Swift, who could still be nursing mm. symptoms from his concussion weeks back. So I don't think it's I don't think it's a ridiculous price hike, given that he showed last week and the week before that when he faces teams that struggle against the run in Green Bay and Detroit, he can put up big numbers. We've had two 25-plus point scores now off him back-to-back, so I still like him at that price. But I do also like James Robinson. I touched on him there, and I'm not going to talk about him too much, Mark, because I think he, his, his stats are almost speaking for themselves at the moment. We've We've had him a, a few times on the pod. I expected him to maybe come in a little bit more expensive than he has. So he's coming at 7,500 this week and his price has steadily risen as the season's gone on. It's almost as if people are cottoning on to the fact that he is quite a good running back and Jacksonville do like using him. But again, the blueprint for beating the Titans was there for all to see last week. And one one thing Cleveland did well, um, other than the absolutely astounding performance from Baker Mayfield, where has that been in the first half? What they did do well is run the ball. Nick Chubb, eight, 80 yards on 18 carries. Kareem Hunt had 14 carries, not as efficient. Um, but that was obviously something that the Browns saw going into the game that, you know, that, that's a way that they could control the game. I don't think Tennessee are particularly great against the run. So I expect that Jacksonville will, will lean on James Robinson again this week. Yeah, one thing which um, just another just to add another name quickly because something I just read before we started doing this was if Drew Brees is back, then Alvin Kamara is only seven thousand one hundred, and Alvin Kamara's production is pretty much hundred percent linked to Drew Brees being a quarterback. Yeah, though he did have a slightly better week last week, didn't he? Yeah, but I feel that was forced because he had a couple of bad weeks, mm. but um, I would expect I don't think you're going to get Kamara any cheaper than this again for the end no. of the season. So just another quick name to mention. Yeah, definitely. We'll move on then, Mark, to the wide receivers. And this is a position where, by the looks of things, you've gone quite price heavy this week in your top because three. Because I think anyway. you're going to find all the value, I think. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so um, Devontae Adams, uh, 9.3K again. I don't, you don't need to listen to this pod to know he's a good play. He might, because of the way I talked about roster construction, if people are going for the more expensive, 
you have to spend a lot of money running back. He might be overlooked a little bit again. Everyone knows he's matchup proof. You compare him with Rogers, which is just a great correlated lineup. And if you can, if you do that, you might again have a slightly different roster construction. I don't have to, we don't have to spend too much time with Devontae Adams. Everyone knows he's great. Um, Adam Thielen, I think I keep picking him. I think about three of the last four weeks or something, I picked Adam Thielen. Um, I think people look at the um, Bucks defense and say it's a tough defense, but actually, against um, receivers, it's actually in the top in the top ten and most given up fantasy points. So actually, it's not as hard as um, as it looks. And actually, the difference between them and third position is only two points. So I think Jefferson will quite rightly be a lot more popular. So I think that's always when you play Adam Thielen. Um, but I know you love you love Jefferson. So I mean, I would play them both if I could. I, you know, I definitely have a sort of Cousins Thielen Jefferson lineup in there. Hopefully, recreating kind of what the what happened with the Bucks and Kansas City Chiefs a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's a seven K player. I like Terry McLaurin as well at six point seven K. He's coming off his worst week. Mm. So hopefully that will keep him um, lower owned. I watched they're playing the 49ers and I watched the Bills 49ers game and the receivers are there just pretty much were able to do what they wanted to all game. So even the number one receiver, Stefan Diggs, was for, was open for most of it. So I don't think he's going to be scared of again with the 49ers defence. So I think that's one where they've got a reputation which probably is greater than the actual results in terms of fantasy. And then my last one, which <laughs> I know, I'm pretty sure this guy wasn't even on DK last week, and he scored over 100, he scored 18 points. Um, and the reason I think he wasn't on there last week is because if you look at his game log history, there's a zero against his salary for last week. Um, it's Chad Hansen of Houston, and he's he's only 3.9k this week. He looks to be slotting into that um, wide receiver three position for Houston, which is um, to be honest, you. Houston throw the ball quite a lot, so I don't think there's a massive difference in terms of targets between, say, two and three. Uh, you don't need him to get 18 points again. You don't need to necessarily go over 100 yards for his own 3.9K. And again, the Bears, people historically think the Bears are a bad matchup, but, you know, Marvin Jones did okay against them last week. Another player who I usually play and I didn't play, so um, that's why I remember that particularly. So, yeah, that was, um, that was the sort of players I'm thinking of in my player pool this week. Hanson coming in as Houston's Travis Fulgham, potentially. Yeah. Coming from absolutely nowhere and emerging. Mm. Oh, I like them picks, Mark. Um, I'm not going to go into a massive amount of detail on mine because the specific reasons why I've gone with the receivers I have, but I, I just think it's a case of don't look too much into it and, and just go with what your your gut's telling you on it. So Keenan Allen was, was the first one that caught my eye and quite obvious with that because I've gone with Justin Herbert that it's just a nice stack and given who they're actually playing this week as well the Atlanta Falcons perfect I think the thing with Keenan Allen is he could come up against the best defense in the league against wide receivers or quarterbacks and I think he's still going to get that workload because he's a clear number one he's a top top receiver talent I think he's I don't know if you could even say that he's underrated anymore because he's he's highly rated, but people still sort of have him just outside of that that top tier of receivers. I know Mike Evans in the off season was sort of saying, you know, there's there's levels to this kind of thing. But you look back on Keenan Allen's production and it's there every season. His targets are always there. Um, he's not missed a beat with Justin Herbert coming in. So 
I think he's even at seven point seven. He's one of the higher priced receivers, but he finds his way into my lineup this week. Not a problem. I'm quite happy to spend that on him because I do think he's uh, he's in for a big week. Um, I like Pittman, but mainly because I think he's he's due that bounce back game. Um, I think this could be a sneaky high scorer. Colts away at, at Vegas. I think, yeah, I think because it is going to be a high score, I think this could be one that the ball's just going to get erred out. And at fact, he's still at that sort of 5,000 bracket. And I think it's a good price for him. So, yeah, I've, I've gone with Pittman there. One that I've... One that I'm still on the fence about a little bit is is Tyler Boyd. I've included him in my lineup at four point nine, and if you you know I'm sure you remember Mark, he, he started the season like a house on fire, had a dip in his production, but even his games where he's not been particularly good, he's still still scored reasonably well. Um, but in his last two weeks, he's been four thousand seven hundred against Miami, and then four thousand nine hundred this week, and. He actually, you'll have seen if you saw the Miami game, he was ejected from that game. He only had four targets up to that point with one reception, but that one reception did turn into a touchdown. So I think the reason why I like Boyd is AJ Green's done for the season um, for for what literally was factoring into the, the offense. T Higgins looks like he's nursing some kind of hamstring strain or injury and he might be good to go on game day and I think if he if he is that potentially helps Boyd's production which is why I'm a little bit on the fence about it I think if T Higgins misses out it could harm his production a little bit because there's more emphasis then on Tyler Boyd that said he is playing the Cowboys and we do know that the Dallas Cowboys are absolutely atrocious against wide receivers. So they've given up 21 touchdowns to the position this season. Uh, Minnesota are the next worst with 19. And then there's a big drop off with Houston at 16 and the Browns at 15. So stand out there. And I think Boyd is one of those receivers that he does tend to get open in the end zone. He's had four touchdowns on the season so far, but he's a, he's a good target there. He's got that sort of ideal receiver kind of frame. And a, a sneaky good route runner as well. So I like him at that price, but I'd, I'd probably like him even more if T Higgins does play because I think it will just take a little bit of the spotlight off him. And then the one that I really like, and there's not too much to this, Mark, but I really like Jameson Crowder at 5,400. I know there's cheaper Jets receivers there. But after watching last week, I just I don't like going with the cheaper one. Um, we went with Mims last week on, on the pod and... He didn't have a a particularly great or strong game. He was unfortunate not to score. I think he was tackled on the one or two yard line at one point. Um, But yeah, I mean, Crowder, a great game. Donald seems to have that connection with him. Operates from the slot. He's sort of here, there and everywhere across the field. He reminds me a little bit of Cooper Cup in that sense. But he's a target machine. Um, He's... Good yards after catch as well. Normally, um, you, you know, you look at his early season performances. Um, he's not really replicated those since where he was putting together those hundred plus yard games. But the touchdown threat's always there with him. And like I said, he's a little bit more expensive at five thousand four hundred. But because he is playing Seattle, I just think that's that could be an under the radar pick this week because he is a I little think, bit more pricey. I like. 
to be honest, I like all three of them receivers for um, the Jets this week. Crowder, Mims, and Perriman at their price. I think they've all got great potential because they're playing against the Seahawks, like you say. Uh, your Tyler, the Tyler Boyd pick. I'd not, he's not really come up on any of my research, but having heard what you said about him, and you're definitely right about the T Higgins thing. I'm thinking. Um, I'm more interested in him now. I'm also interested in Mike Thomas, who's um, a three K. Um, wide receiver who I did well on with him in showdown earlier this year I can't remember which week it was it was a very early week and he's and um, he helped me win a lot of money on showdown because he scored a touchdown mm-hmm. so the um, generally the Bengals play quite a lot of receivers come in and out they've got quite a large rotation and stuff so with AJ Green done maybe it'll be maybe him well it means between him Erickson or Morgan in terms of fit players but I just remember Mike Thomas doing quite well, so he's somebody I might look at as a you know if you've really got a punt. Yeah, uh, yeah, but I do like the boy. I do like the boy choice and Scott. Me interested in him there. Um, I think it, it's it's still it's difficult because, like I said, until you know the, the health of Higgins, I think if Higgins is out, what you'll probably find is that Boyd will will get uh, maybe a larger share of the workload. So that it doesn't worry me too much because I think he'll still be targeted and he should still have production against Dallas. But I do prefer him more if T Higgins is there. A couple of seasons back, he had this, a similar sort of story where he was good without AJ Green, but when AJ Green played, he was even better because it just seemed to take a bit of the spotlight off him. So that's why I like him again this week. But I'm still a little bit on the fence on it. Might be one I pivot off, but I might just stick to my guns and go with my gut. Yeah, well, we are in week 14, and generally speaking, from now until the end of the season, you do get some weird results and some weird sort of performances out of players you didn't expect and stuff. And like Jameson Crowder could well definitely end up being a sort of player who ends up um, smashing the next four weeks. Just how yeah. that feel about it. You know, the, coming back from injury. I think those, those, back. those three players, Jameson Crowder, Boyd, and as you mentioned, Melvin Gordon, those are the three that I'll be, give me a bit of a conundrum between now and, and Sunday's games. And it'll be two of those three I think I roll with, but I'm just unsure on which it'll be. Now you really threw a spanner in the works with Melvin Gordon. Thanks very much, <laughs> That's what Mark. we're here to do, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we are. And another thing that we are here to do is show respect to the tight end position <laughs> and that is what we move on to next so that yeah. position that we love oh so much Mark tight end who are you going with this week we've got to show respect because Darren Waller broke the slate last week so no Darren Waller no well. money as it were um, we got we got more expensive at least you've got some decent options on there now like Kelsey as well I suspect Waller's had his big game for the year though and um I still never understand why Hawkinson is so highly priced, but there you go. I'm going with, to continue our theme about charges, I'm going with Hunter Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, both, we've both clearly proven we expect the um, charges to bounce back, as he seems to be picking them quite a lot. This is his lowest pre- price has been for four weeks, and pretty much every position is a good matchup against the Falcons, and the tight end is absolutely no different. Yeah. Uh, so it seems to me like a, a pretty decent, a decent, a decent price and decent pick. I still would generally end up spending less money on tight end in my lineup. So this week, as yeah. a whole, but um, yeah. he's quite athletic as well. 
isn't he? <laughs> He's no Jordan Akins. He <laughs> <laughs> um, continues to d- disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Jordan Reed, so I'm going on the slightly lower end of the spectrum. He's priced at 3500 This does come with a bit of a caveat, though, um, and that would be if George Kittle is back this week, and I think he returned back to sort of sideline practice, um, sideline warm-ups last week. I think he's due back off IR any time now and, and could be slotted into the starting lineup again. So that would be my only concern is if George Kittle is back, then I don't think Jordan Reed holds as much value. If Kittle's out, then I think he, he definitely does at 3,500. My thoughts on it, though, is the, the 49ers... I think the, the the playoff hopes are hanging by a thread. They're in that group of mathematically not written off, but it's a it's a tall order and it's out of their hands. And I think given that that's the case, um, given the injury that Kittle's coming back from, is there much sense in risking him? So the caveat being, if Kittle does play, I don't think Jordan Reed is a particularly good pick, but I can't see the 49ers risking him to be honest I I just don't think there's much sense there just rest him the rest of the season have him coming back fresh in 2021 that would be what I would do anyway you're you're very unlikely to make the playoffs at this stage so and it could could even be a toss-up if if you actually beat the Washington football team after the the dethroned the unbeaten Kings in the Steelers this past week so yeah I, I think with Reed again he's not um high volume in terms of targets he gets consistent enough targets though for a tight end he's averaging just over five targets per game for the past three weeks but I think and this always stands out to me Mark with Reed when I when I look back to when he was at Washington always felt like he was one of them tight ends where he didn't need to do a lot because he's always he's, he's sort of he's always there in the end zone um, and he, he, there's always that threat that you're going to get a score out of him. And that is all you need, really, from a tight end at this price. If he catches one ball for 10 yards with a touchdown, I'd be quite happy with that. That's that's enough production for me for a $3,500 tight end. Um, if he ends up with a few receptions and a touchdown, even better. So this past week, he ended up with 32 yards on three receptions with a score. And he's sort of bouncing around that that price range of about 3200 to 3600 at the moment so fairly average not really an increase so again it's one of them things I'd, I don't want to think too much about it because I think it's such a it's it's such a roulette position anyway that you unless you're picking a, a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller it's debatable whether you're going to get the production you're expecting from from your guy but yeah Jordan Reed is one that caught my eye this week yeah, um, if there's one weakness in the Washington defense, statistically in terms of fantasy points, it's tight end mm. because they're pretty much <clears throat> locking down every other sort of offensive skill position. So yeah, that's fine. Like there's so many, there's so many players who are around that price who you could, you could take a punt on. Um, I quite like Cole Komet at two point nine. Another one, Trey Burton hasn't really done masses for a few weeks. Again, he's going to come back into the game plan at some point, isn't he? So, yeah, his production's been down a little bit. So, um, Logan Thomas, again, he was sort of MVP of that game. 
on Monday nights. So I think I saw. Yeah, if you're not Kelsey and Waller, then yeah, you could pick anybody really. Yeah, I saw a name that you've mentioned a few times, Mark, as well. Tyler Eifert's down there at three point one. Yeah, yeah, he's gone off, hasn't he? Yeah, he's and it's off probably off the back of two two yeah. weeks where he's it's not it's not been great production, but he's he's come out of the game with a score of ten. Mm. Pairing That's with Mike Lennon, that will be very low owned. Mm. There you go. Pairing with Mike Lennon. That's <laughs> That's going to win your Millie Maker for you. <laughs> Could be a career week for Tyler Eifert and Mike Lennon. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Well, it can, it can happen any week. That's the point. Very much so, especially in this format. You only need to land on one of those weeks, Mark, and it's, it's yeah. shooting you up the leaderboard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, you talked about Tyler Boyd earlier. He scored 14 points on one play. Mm. You know, all his production last week of 14 points, which was made a bit value as one play. So, Defence special teams rounds us off, Mark, as always. It's that other position that we love all so much. So you can kick us off, Mark. <laughs> Who are you are going you, with? As a as a as a strategy, I suggest you just pick whoever fits your lineup. I won't worry too much about it. But I'm the Jets are still two point one K, which I just find I find amazing. They're coming up against Seattle, and Russell Wilson's been a little bit. Um, I mean, team as a whole has been turnover prone recently. Yeah, so it's 2.1. I've, I've rolled with the Jets like the last three or four weeks, you know, um, and they've been, they've pretty much always hit value. The Bengals are another good choice at 2.3k. Mm. I think it's playing Dallas. Yeah. It's... What, about, I mean, what, what about you? After all your hours and hours of research on defences, who did you end up with? I feel like I do put too much research into defence. This one's just an eye test one. So I did watch the extended highlights of the 49ers game. And I completely agree with you, Mark. The Bills receivers seem to have all the time in the world. Um, But I think Josh Allen was also creating that time for them. So what I noticed the 49ers weren't really doing is we weren't setting the edge and Josh Josh Allen was bootlegging out of the pocket and he was almost creating plays with his arm and legs at the same time. We know he's a mobile quarterback anyway and he, we, we know he has got a good arm. I think that's potentially not going to be an issue that they'll have this week because I looked into offensive line play and yours is statistically worse than the Bills' offensive line. And I think... When you look at the 49ers defence, I, I agree with you in that I think they are a, a bit overrated uh, in terms of they've got this reputation and you always see Robert Salah you know, shouting on the touchline um, or the sideline as it's referred to across the pond. Um, and I think the sort of living on last season's reputation, what took them to the Super Bowl, they were a very good defence last year. They've lost a couple of pieces this season. So DeForest Buckner, obviously, to the Colts. Um, But what they do still have on defence, they've got a pretty good defensive line that's capable of making plays. The strength of the defence is through the middle. They've got really good linebackers with Fred Warner and co. So I think this week, I think they will set the edge. I mean, it's not even a case of the the need to, I don't think, against Alex Smith because you're not getting much mobility out of him anyway. He's pretty much a pocket passer. I think they'll they'll scheme for the check down 
Um, and I think that's probably where the strength of the 49ers defense is anyway. I think, you know, cornerbacks like Richard Sherman, he's, he's physical. He's not as quick as he once was, but I think the 49ers will have a, a turnaround week, if you will. And there's always that chance with, with the defensive line and with the linebackers that there's always chance of turnovers from this defense as well. I look back to how they dealt with Jared Goff before, they played this past week. And Jared Goff, I see some similarities with Goff and Alex Smith in that Goff tends to look shorter field rather than long. Um, and he does tend to stay in the pocket. He, he, when he bootlegs out, it's off the back of play action. But he's, he's very much a sort of a pocket quarterback. And I think we struggled because he was, he was quite static. They were able to get to him. And rush him into poor decisions and you know the similar kind of offense in that we tend to pass short and and let the receivers work the yards after catch and I think if if that is what the Washington football team do this week I think the 49ers will just scheme for it and I can I can just see as a 2.7 that that's a pretty good price for a defense that has quite a big upside I would say against Alex Smith. Yeah, um, the 49ers defense, fantasy wise, has scored double figures three times this year, mm. which is as many as anybody else around them. The only one, the only other one I can find more than that is Giants, who've just done four. So, um, I mean, defense is such a high variance position anyway. Last yeah. week was a classic example, wasn't it? The Patriots were 2.4k, and they scored 31 fantasy points, I think it was. Yeah. Um, we had the Panthers, whatever, the week, a few weeks earlier, a couple of weeks earlier as well, and stuff big score um so yeah they were never quite low price so it's interesting yeah. that you mentioned the giants as well because they're i think fairly priced at two six mm-hmm. and they're playing the cardinals who you know we've both said on the pod that kyla murray hasn't looked like kyla murray over the past few weeks and uh, it looks looks like there's a little bit of unrest even between murray and, and hopkins i think hopkins is expecting the ball more and he's not getting it as much as he he's expecting or, or wants it um, and you're, you're talking about a defense there that, again, has you look at the recent performances, high number of turnovers, the sacks are fairly consistent. So that could be a sneaky shout mm. at 2.6. I think that'll be one that a lot of people maybe don't roster because even though they are one of the, the highest scoring defenses, they're up against the Cardinals. And I suppose you're expecting a bit of a response. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um... But as I always say, just try and fit in the one of features. I wouldn't lose out on a skill position player to fit in a specific defence. I would never do that. You know what I mean? So if, if your heart's set on, the, say, the, say um, the 49ers, but, and you also want to get, say, Devontae Adams, but you can't afford him by a few hundred, then you drop the 49ers, you play Devontae Adams sort of thing. I would never you know, let, that, let them dictate the rest of the lineup. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That rounds us off for the classic lineup this week. So, as regular listeners will know, Mark, and as new listeners should be aware of, the podcast does always end in tears. Your tears this past week. <laughs> Potentially my tears this week if we're following form. Um, but as I said, prior to you coming on the pod, Mark, I've, I've got a good feeling about this week. I, I feel like this is the week where I put a bit of daylight between the score. So, Let's see how we go. We're back on the draft pick tiers this week. So the, the, the sort of first round 
players, the second round players, the third round players, and then the lower round players. Um, who have you gone with in tier one? Well, as you know, this is my tiers area of expertise, draft picks, isn't it? Um, I've, gone, <laughs> I've gone for Patrick Mahomes. Interesting. I've gone with Aaron Rodgers in tier one. Yeah. That's a good yeah. start. We're, we're one different in tier one straight yeah. away, which is a different theme from previous weeks. Tier two? Uh, Derek Carr. For the time being, I've got Teddy Bridgewater, but that's one I'm going to monitor because he's got a, a nice red Q next to his name at the mm. moment. So we'll see how things go there. Tier three? I have gone for Justin Jefferson. I'm with you there on Justin Jefferson. I yeah, can't ignore that. Be. Tier four? <laughs> We've both done Melvin Gordon, haven't we, in tier four? This this is where it's probably going to change for me because I did look at him oh. and I thought I had put him in my tiers lineup and it turns out I'm not. It turns out I actually put Brandon Ayuk in my mm. tiers lineup, which could be one that I move off. But for now, I'll keep it there. Brandon Ayuk, Melvin Gordon probably find his way into my classic lineup, so I might just keep Ayuk yeah. there just for a bit of diversification in the lineup. Tier five. Well, if, you have, if you have all your eggs in one basket and they fail, then well, true. You know, yeah, and. Um, Tier 5 is quite a tough one. I went with Derek Henry in the end. What made you go for Henry? I haven't got much of him in my classic lineups. So I've got quite a bit of Adams and Cook. Yeah. Etc. I went with, with Adams simply because I just think he's he's a pretty mm-hmm. safe safe bet at the moment for production. So mm-hmm. and pairing in with Aaron Rodgers, I'm hoping a big week there sees me over the line. Uh, tier 6? Mm-hmm. I've gone for DJ Chark. I brought back my man... Jonathan Taylor in tier six. So I, I had to get him in there somewhere. He's not in my classic lineup, so he had to be in the tiers lineup. He's always in your heart somewhere, isn't he? Got to yeah, I can't <laughs> always that even even when he's not in the lineup, he's still in the heart, still in the mind. <laughs> tier seven. Uh, um Travis Kelsey. Ah, see, interesting tiers this week, Matt. We've got a lot of differences. I've gone Keenan That's Allen good. in tier seven. Mm. And then tier eight. Um Aaron Jones. Do a different again there. I've stuck with my my guns and gone James Robinson there, mm. as I did with my classic lineup. So I'll run you through yeah. my tiers then, Mark. So I've got Aaron Rodgers, Terry Bridgewater for now, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, Devonte Adams, Jonathan Taylor, Keenan Allen, and rounding in, us off in tier eight, James Robinson. And your tiers for this week: got Patrick Mahomes, then Derek Carr, Justin Jefferson, Melvin Gordon. Derek Henry, DJ Chark, Travis Kelsey, and Aaron Jones. Very, very good. The bookies have the 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 Mark win at evens at the moment, and you can get as good as as three to one on on me to to take the uh, the win this week because this, uh, you, you, as you said, Mark, you are unbeaten in the draft picks. <laughs> I am unbeaten in the uh, in the in the positional tiers. Line, uh, so. I'm an expert. I'm writing a book on it. Just the tier, <laughs> just the, just the draft pick version of tears. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens there, and we'll revisit that on week 15's pod. Mark, a pleasure as always. Enjoyed that. It's a lot of fun, wasn't it? Always, always. Best of luck, everyone, with your week 14 lineups. As always, gamble responsibly, but most importantly, Mark, what should the listeners do? Draft responsibly. Absolutely. Catch you next time.
HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis, people who are not HIV positive, who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm gonna do this to protect myself. Do it for them, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.